There was once a boy who kept sheep not far from the village. He would often become bored and to amuse himself he would call out woof, woof, although there was no woof about. The villagers would stop what they were doing and run to save the sheep from the wolf's jaw. Once they arrived at the pasture, the boy just laughed. The naughty boy played his, this joke over and over until the villagers tired of him. One day, while the boy was watching the sheep, a wolf did come into the fold. The boy cried and cried, woof, woof, no one came. The wolf had a feast that day. What, what story is that? Boy that cried wolf, right? You guys, where, where do we find that story? Not in the Bible. I, that was a trick question. You know, Psalms 34. Where do we find that? Where's that story at? Anybody know? Aesop's Fables? Anybody ever hear of Aesop's Fables? Okay, it's an Aesop's Fables. And of course, this is a, um, what's the purpose or what's the, the meaning behind that story? Don't cry wolf. A habitual liar is not going to be believed. If you're always lying, people will stop believing you. How many people use that story with your kids? At one time, the boy that cried wolf. You know, I think all of us, just me, I guess. Uh, but, but, but that's a story we use with our kids. And, and, and so these are fable character stories. Uh, they're lesson stories. Uh, you find them. We, we teach our kids these stories. We learn these stories early on. Aesop's Fables is full of stories like this. Here, there's some, some stories that are not so well known. I like this one. The man and these two wives. Uh, a man whose hair was turning gray had two wives. One wife was much younger than the man. The other wife was much older. The older wife was embarrassed at being married to a man much younger than herself. At night, whenever he was with her, she would pluck out all of his hairs that were not gray. Uh, the younger woman was equally embarrassed at being married to a man so much older than herself. At night, whenever he was with her, she would pluck out all of his hairs that were gray. Between the two wives, the man was soon left without hair on his head. <laughs> I kind of like that story. What's the lesson of that? Anybody, can anybody tell me the lesson of that? Don't be married to two wives. That's exactly right. Uh, two wives are worse than two masters is the lesson of that story. So if any of you were thinking about maybe polygamy and, and uh, th this is a story that should discourage you uh, from, from doing that. And so there's stories and, and, and stories reveal truth. Uh, as, as we go through, you know, the Bible is the story of God, and it reveals truth. It reveals about the nature of God. It reveals about our nature. But, but even as you watch movies or read books, these stories uh, reveal truths. And, and Jesus uses stories throughout his ministry. And these stories reveal God to us, and it reveals ourselves to us. And, and these are called, primarily we call these parables, uh, great teachers, Jesus' use of parables was not unusual. It wasn't, he wasn't the only teacher that would use parables. Matter of fact, throughout history, uh, great teachers, great communicators have used story to communicate truth. And so even in, in, in relatively modern story, history, if you, if you watch biography of, of, of Lincoln, Lincoln was a storyteller, and, and Ronald Reagan was a storyteller. The, the great communicators of our age, uh, they, they tell stories to communicate truths. And, and Jesus used parables and used stories to communicate truths. And in these parables, as you hear these parables, they would, they would 
tell about God, they had to tell about ourselves. And, and so when you hear these parables, the question you ask is, what does this story tell us about God? Uh, what does this story tell us about ourselves? These are the questions that primarily you ask when you listen to a parable of Jesus. What, what's Jesus trying to, to, um, to tell us about the nature of our God? What's Jesus trying to communicate about our nature? And, and, and so as we hear those stories... Those are the kind of questions you ask. I, I think those are probably pretty good stories to ask throughout your day. <laughs> that, that as you're just going through life, oftentimes I think it's not bad to stop and say, okay, what's God trying to communicate about himself in this, in this instance? What's God trying to tell me about myself in this instance? And, and so as we move through these stories, these are the questions we'll be asking ourselves. What, what can we learn about God? What can we learn about ourselves. Uh, we're beginning our next series called Revealed, and we're walking through a few parables of Jesus, and we'll, we'll be preaching from the same parables uh, that your kids are using next door, and so you, you can talk, they'll be talking about this parable that I'm going to read uh, in, in, their, in their Sunday morning worship. Um, and, and we're going to break down Matthew 13 today, beginning in verse, thir- verse 1. Uh, by, by the way, this is on the screen, and I don't know, did we bring the lights up? Typically we bring the lights up when I preach. I, I'd encourage you to bring your Bibles. Uh, you know, it, it's on the screen, it makes it easy. Um, or, or bring your phones, wh- whatever you read your Bible on. I'd encourage you to bring it up. And, and you know, th- th- this is not the end of the dialogue about a Bible verse as far as I'm concerned. I, I'm not the end uh, the, the, the end expert and, and you, you don't go, you go out of here without having to think about it. I, I hope if, if nothing else that as we leave this place, as we go through these scriptures it causes us to think more about the scripture and maybe even have a conversation or two. And so I encourage you to bring your Bible. There, there are studies that show that, that it's not good to put the Bible on the screen because when you put the Bible on the screen people tend to stop bringing their Bible. Uh, we, we do that for your convenience because sometimes I'm reading from a different translation and you, you can and see what translation I'm reading from, but, but I encourage you, bring your Bible, um, you know, take notes. You, you can actually write in the Bible and, and, and not be in danger of judgment, okay? You guys realize that. So, so I encourage you to do this and, and, you know, read along with me, beginning in verse 1 of Matthew 13. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. And he was scattering the seed. Some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly where the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. So other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Who has ears? All right, about a third of you. All right. Uh, so, so, so Jesus tells this parable, and, and I like to call this parable the parable of the silly farmer. <laughs> uh, this is crazy talk of how this guy is sowing his seed. This is not, this is not how you would want 
to sow seed if you were a farmer. You, you think about a modern farmer, you know, they, they prepare the fields and, and they level the fields and, and they, they, they fertilize. Most fields in our area now have those drain tiles in them to make sure they don't get wiped out by flood. And, and then there's the systematic planting. As a matter of fact, in, in, our, in our day, it is so scientific how they plant that, that, that they know what they can expect as far as yield in each, in each field. And, and if that yield does not come true, that they ensure to make sure that the, the crops are produced as they expect. I mean, it's systematic, it's scientific, it's not willy-nilly. <laughs> is, is, that a, is that a, you understand willy-nilly? Yeah, not Willie Nelson, willy-nilly. Imagine if, if Russ, our resident farmer, were to get in his tractor and hook up his planter and just start sowing seed. And he, and he goes through the front yards, and he goes through creek beds, and he goes across the road, he goes across the driveway, he hits a few fields, but he just, he just there, there's no system to it. He's just going and planting seed everywhere he can. <laughs> in these parables... The man in Matthew 13, or the farmer in this parable, is God. And in this parable, it's given us this image of God that is just throwing out seed wherever. God blesses and gives even less than favorable soil an opportunity to respond. And all God's people should say, amen. Because there's been times I've been less than favorable soil. And yet our Heavenly Father has sown seeds in my life, even in my unfavorable times. You know, those hearing this and hearing Jesus talk, I believe surrounded around him were, were some who thought themselves worthy. You know, they went to the right schools. They, they, they knew the right people. They had the right connections. They, they kept all the right rituals. So, so in their mind, they were worthy of the seed of God. But also surrounding Jesus were those who didn't go to the right schools, that didn't have the right connections, that, 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 didn't, that, that weren't educated in the right way, that, that weren't able to keep the law like everyone else. And they didn't consider themselves worthy. As a matter of fact, when, when those more righteous than, than them would call them sinners, <laughs> they wouldn't argue. I think of Peter in, in, in the boat with Jesus, and Jesus performs the miracle of the great catch, and what's Peter say? Oh, get away from me, I'm just a sinner. I'm not worthy of seed being sown in my life. And yet in this parable, as we understand this is God, God is sowing seed to what appears to be favorable and what appears to be unfavorable. And we'll see as we move forward that the central lesson of this is not how God sows seed, but how we respond. What matters is how responsive your heart is to the move of God. You know, there was people all around Jesus that, that had been written off as unworthy soil. 
They weren't worth the effort, and yet they would respond to what Jesus was doing. Because Jesus is not talking about the outer appearance. The soil that he's talking about is the heart. He's talking to people who are willing to respond to him. Maybe, maybe you're like that. Maybe you've been someone that, that, that you feel like you're on the outside looking in, that, that, that maybe it's, it's not been as easy, and, and maybe sometimes you even feel like, man, I'm just rocky soil. <laughs> I want you to know that God considers yourself, you, you worthy, and God is sowing seeds in your life. God is still planning. Are you responding? The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, because the, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever, whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will, ne- you will be hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to hear what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. We'll put an image up here. What do you guys see? A duck? A bunny rabbit? How many sees a rabbit? How many sees a duck? How many sees both? All right, yeah. You know, this is a perspective picture. You have all sorts of it. The, the rabbit, if you, if you don't, can everybody see both images? Or are you going crazy trying to see both images? Uh, the, the, this is one of those images that, um, that you see, uh, you know, there, there's the old lady and the young lady, the two faces and the, and the lamp, of course. Pers- perspective affects what we believe. Now, Marysville's basketball's over, so you're not going to have to get some new illustrations. We, we lost in the playoffs. They, they had the most wins they've had other than Jevons' junior years, and I believe the past 20 years. First time they've won conference in 20 years, but we, we bowed out to Chillicothe um, Friday night. Um, so I'm going to have to get new illustrations because Spencer's done now, but, but I'll use it one more time. It, it's amazing when you're at a game, and Kevin, you, you can understand, you can relate. You can see a call one way and think it's the worst call in the world. And somebody who's rooting for the other time team will see the same call and say, that is the best call I've ever seen, right? You know, perspective affects, our, our, our perspective affects what we believe. And, and when we see these things, it'll affect how we react. Now, our past affects our perspective. And so how you were raised what you consider to be important, uh, that the education, your friendships, your family, all affect your perspective, your life experience. Uh, I'll never forget, I was a camp counselor in a boys' camp several years ago, and there was a little boy at the camp that, that had had a really difficult life. 
never had any food in his house. And every night, what we would have to do was get all the pats of butter <laughs> that he had taken from the cafeteria, and he had hoard in his bed. That was a really sad thing. You know, his life experience so early on had created within him this urge, this desire, this need to hoard food. In the church, sometimes our past experience, if you've come from a rough family environment, I know there's been people that have had difficulty when we refer to God as our Heavenly Father. That, that, that the image of Father has been so skewed by our past that when the Bible refers to God as our Heavenly Father, it, it's a difficult leap for some people to, to accept God as, as Father. Our past affects our perspective. And the truth is this, God wants to redeem your past. He wants to redeem my past, and he wants to redeem your past. And so, as Jesus is talking about these things that hinder us from receiving the word of God, receiving God's seed in our life, oftentimes it's things in our past that keep us from following hard after God. And I want you to know this morning that God does not just want to redeem your futures. He wants to redeem your past so that you can receive him fully in this moment. And before I moved any further, is there something in my past that's keeping me from hearing from God? Let's um, just bow our heads real quick. God, our pasts affect us. And the truth is, oftentimes we, we fail to hear from you simply because we're so caught up in the past. Relationships and hurts. Maybe we've been hurt in a church by people we trust. Maybe it's family things that, that, that hinder us from trusting. I pray, Lord, that you'll reveal these things in, in this moment. And Lord, not only will you reveal them, but we'll confess them and we'll claim your healing touch. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Your past goes a great distance in affecting how receptive your heart is. And when we feel to deal with those past issues, those relationship issues, for instance, if you've been hurt and you refuse to forgive, that will hinder your relationship and your ability to receive the forgiveness of God. God wants to redeem your past. The second thing I want you to see is this. Sometimes we see simply what we want to see. Uh, in my notes, I've got this, this labeled, Sermons I Did Not Deliver. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I, I've, I've preached a sermon and someone's come up to me and said, Man, Pastor, I'm so glad you talked about fill in the blank. And I've thought to myself, I didn't talk about fill in the blank. <laughs> and, and, and sometimes, excuse me. I did so well till then. Sometimes it's the Holy Spirit that is speaking to someone. And, and I, I think most of the time I'm able to discern when the Holy Spirit is, is giving some, some deeper discernment than even I'm able to give. But sometimes it's just a matter of we simply hear what we want to hear. 
And sometimes in a message, people will hear what they want to hear because they want to do what they want to do. I, I think we can call these paradigms. Uh, can somebody tell me what a paradigm is? I was going to say 20 cents, but that's okay. Uh, a paradigm is a mindset. It's a paradigm is a way of looking at something. And, and all of us have paradigms in our life. We have a, a way, a viewpoint of life. Um, the, the, the problem is, oftentimes, following Jesus requires a shift in paradigms. Uh, it did in his day, and it does in our day. Uh, as a matter of fact, Jesus would often talk about being uh, new wineskins and, 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 and talk about that, that, that people need to shift how they think. Uh, oftentimes, we need to shift our paradigms, our way of thinking, if we want to grow in our faith. Um, God should stretch us. Uh, we should not restrict God. And oftentimes what happens is our paradigms are used as a way of restricting the move of God, what God expects of us, what God wants to do in our life. Well, we see these paradigms, and I'm going to name some hot button issues, don't get mad at me. Money. Uh, money's a, you know, we have paradigms with regard to our money. Uh, tithing and giving and giving generously, relationships. I mean, we, we, we justify things in our life with our paradigms, um, serving, how we work, our home life, how we interact with our neighbor, how we respond to bad circumstances. And oftentimes God is calling us and to have a tender heart, a receptive heart, when God is sowing seeds in, in these issues, we have to shift how we think about these things and how God can move in even more dynamic ways if we allow him to move. Now, I want you to understand what Jesus is not saying in this passage we just read. Jesus is not saying... Jesus is not saying, I am purposefully blinding them to the truth. In fact, Jesus says, their hearts are calloused. They have hardened their hearts. That They have closed their ears and their eyes. See, our response to God is a heart issue. God will sow seeds in all of our lives. He's sowing even now, and the issue is the condition of our hearts. And God does not set the condition of our hearts. That is a choice we make. We choose whether to have open eyes or closed eyes, open ears or closed ears. We choose whether to harden our heart or allow God to continue to soften our hearts. Love requires a choice. And so what you see in this passage is love in action. And the love of God is this, is that he's sowing seeds on receptive and unreceptive soil. He's sowing, seed, sowing seeds on those who are deserving and those who are not. Because the love of God is just being fully given. And he's giving us the option, option the choice, to respond to him. Now, 
let's finish this passage with these things understood. God, God is sowing seeds and all. And what we do with these seeds, what God is doing, will be determined by the state of my heart. That, that even now, God is sowing seeds in my life and your life. And what happens with these seeds is dependent on the condition of my heart, whether I am going to be receptive to what God is doing. Going on in the passage. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. My question is this, what influences you? What, what are the influences that you place around you? What, what's the media that you look to? What, what social media are you involved with? Who, who are your friends? Who's your influencers? In, in the church, probably, hold on. In the church, most likely, no one in this church is encouraging you to go out and commit murder. If they are, come see me and we'll deal with that issue, okay? No, no murder, no stealing. But what we have typically are attitude sins. Um, sins, okay? So, so that we're clear here. Bitterness is a sin. Cynicism is a sin. Uh, undue, unruly anger is sin. Attitude sins are sin. Can you guys say that with me? Attitude sins are sin. They are what they are. Don't call them something less. So are you surrounding yourself with people who are bitter? If you surround yourself with bitter people, guess what? You'll become bitter. If you surround yourself with cynical people, guess what? You'll become cynical. If you surround yourself with angry people, guess what? You'll become angry. If you surround yourself with unforgiving people, if you surround yourself with greedy people, those characteristics will begin to bear fruit in your life. So, so, so the call for us is this. Surround yourself with people who practice joy, and pretty soon you'll be practicing joy. So surround yourself with thankful people. Surround yourself with generous people. Surround yourself with forgiving people. Surround yourself with people who practice grace and mercy and kindness. And I truly believe that as you surround yourself with these people, the influence will be towards those seeds that are being sown in your life. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. What do you want most? I mean, as we're sitting here, honestly, what do you desire more than anything else? See, God invites us to go deep. And I truly believe my, my sermons are on Sunday mornings, your, your Bible studies, your Sunday school lessons are only as deep 
as you go deep through the week in learning from God. I believe the deeper you go into this, the deeper what I'm telling you will be. God invites us to go deep. Now, Pastor Rich had stomach surgery, and so they, they made his stomach smaller, right? Everybody see Rich? He's like half the man he used to be. Because his stomach's smaller, he can hardly eat. Spiritual depth is determined by spiritual appetite. That the hungrier you are for God, the deeper you'll go with God. Can you say that with me? Spiritual depth is determined by spiritual appetite. What do you want most? Are you hungry for God? See, if the attitude of our heart is, I just want more and more of Him, God will give you what your heart desires. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word. I'm sorry. (laughs) The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. So we've talked about, you know, who we surround ourselves with. We've talked about what influences us. We talked about what we want most. What distracts you? What distracts you? What, what, what are the things in your life that, that, that take you off course, that, that take you from focusing on God, that take your trust of God away? All of us have them, right? There, there's things that distract everyone in this room, including this pastor. There, there's circumstances in my life, there's circumstances in your life that, 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 that I believe are enemy. I believe the devil takes and tempts us to become focused on those things instead of the things of God. And Jesus is saying the seed is there, but they're so distracted with everything else, they never even see the seed. What distracts you? But, but here's the good news. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So the question is this, are you producing a crop? As I understand this passage, Jesus is saying the expectation is fruitfulness, right? Now, understand, I'm not saying that, Oh, if you understand these words, you're going to get wealthy. Or if you understand these words, life will always be smooth. Or if you understand these words, you're going to be this great soul winner that that everybody you know will come to Jesus. But I do believe what Jesus is saying, that if you are good soil, you will be growing ever deeper, ever more in love with Jesus. And your relationship with him will be building now, now, I think the byproduct of that is that oftentimes people find their way into the kingdom because our relationship with God is so vital. I do believe that. That, that, that is something that we look at. If, if we never influence anyone towards the kingdom, I think we can look at our life and say, well, am I growing? And if we're growing, we say, well, God, just continue to, to work and, and show me opportunities to share your word. Are you growing? God is sowing seeds in your life and my life. And the question is, what are we doing with those seeds? Can I throw in an extra parable for free? It's it's in the same chapter. Uh, It's chapter 13. And in chapter 13, in, in all of these parables, 
the man or the farmer or the one taking action is God. It is God that's sowing the seeds in the beginning of Matthew 13. And then we get to verses 44 through 46. And, and some take this, and I think I've taken this as it switches to us, that the, the man becomes us. The kingdom of heaven, let's, let's listen to it together. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. And so typically we look at that and it's, it's someone that understands the value of the kingdom of God and they give everything for, for the kingdom of God. But if this is continuing parables where the man is God, then the treasure is not the kingdom, but the treasure is you and I. And the man is God who has found us and has said that they are worthy of my all. That, that I will give everything I have to purchase them. And it fits the narrative of scripture, doesn't it? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through the son. See, we have a father who deems us worthy, whether we deem ourselves worthy or not. Well, we have a heavenly father that sows seeds in our life, whether we're good soil or bad soil or we're just a driveway. God sows seed. God sees you as extremely valuable. You are worthy of God's all. Do you see God in the same way God sees you? All heads bowed, all eyes closed. This is response time. And Brian, can you just put something on? Um, who's your influencers? What's your distractions? What do you love most? Are you, are you producing fruit? Are there paradigms that need to be shifted? If God's going to move in your life, is there something in your past that you need to let go of? This is what we call response time. And you can respond right where you're seated. You can respond, God, God comes to us where we're at. But I found in my life that oftentimes when I physically get up and I go to an altar, God meets me and walks with me the rest of the way. And I think in this room today, there's some that you just need to come forward and spend a couple minutes with God in prayer. And then Pastor Bob's going to close us in prayer. Lord, help us to be responsive in these moments.